For 70 of my 77 years, my front row seat at the Highland Church produced tremendous blessings. I'm grateful for my 17 years as a Highland staff member. My 36 years being an elder has blessed me beyond measure. Scores of godly women and men have contributed to my lifelong spiritual formation. However, when I reflect on all those involved, I realize the exemplar spiritual lives of the Highland elders exerted the greatest influence. Clois Fowler, Wally Bullington, Jerry Strader, Glenn Owen, Neil McCleskey, Don Jackson, John Willis, and many others, Highland Shepherds model Christ-likeness. Years ago, when I resigned from the Highland staff to teach at ACU, I wrote these words to the elders. Much of what I've learned as an inexperienced minister was from watching your servant leadership. Your mentoring shaped me into a disciple who loves God and loves people. Much of what I did as a father is because I carefully observed you as parents. Not only did you parent your own children, but you dedicated your lives to the parenting our entire church family. Much of my prayer life is modeled on praying continuously with you. I was powerfully impacted by praying with such godly men year after year. Thank you for being prayerful shepherds and praying without ceasing. Much of my thoughtful relationship with people are a result of watching you constantly come down on the side of compassion. Regardless of the circumstances, you always dealt with hard issues sympathetically. Those words written 30 years ago remain as true today. Today, Highland is filled with disciples who daily live out Christ-likeness in their families, work environments, and leisure activities. I'm eternally grateful for my 70 years in this faith community. Prayerfully, we will continue to build on our bedrock of trusting God and loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. Please stand for the reading of the word from 1 Peter chapter 5. Now as an elder myself and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God that is in your charge, exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it, not for corrupt gain, but eagerly. Do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. And in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you must clothe yourselves with humility um, in your dealings with one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning, Highland. Uh, man, as David said, it has been a busy weekend. And I, I got to brag. I don't care. 
I'm going to brag. My name's Shane Hughes. I'm one of the ministers here. If you're here with us in person or you're live or online, uh, we're glad to have you here. It's good. Um, I got to brag. I'm not going to lie. We had a huge day yesterday. My family had a huge day. We went to Marketplace, and then um, one of my sons went down for a nap. I graciously volunteered to stay home and sleep with him while the rest of my family went to a pool party for a birthday. And then promptly after they turned around and got picked Mia and uh, one of my sons up, we went to another party and had an amazing time. And then we got Whataburger and came home. It was amazing. It was a great day. All the kids went to sleep just like that. Perfect day. Nothing else you could ask for. But it was in the course of us eating fries from Whataburger that I asked my boys, what, what was the best part about today? And this is what one of my boys said. He said, greeting. And I said, what? Because I didn't quite understand him. His mouth was full. Greeting. It wasn't the pool party. It wasn't the rainbow unicorn cake at the other party. It wasn't making crafts at Marketplace and getting to walk around in costumes, no. Uh, Natalie and I had signed up to be greeters uh, for the first session of Marketplace, which meant we just stood there with a, a map to the Marketplace and some coins so people could buy food at the, at the back. And we said, welcome, here you go. And my, my two boys, they just took to it. And one of them, the best part of a day, full of amazing things, was standing there welcoming people to Marketplace. I say that not so that I can brag on my boy. If you hear that, then you're hearing the wrong thing. This church community is creating an environment where that is the most important thing in my son's life. And I am eternally grateful for that moment. I got to tell you something else. I'm not done bragging yet. Um, <laughs> Camp Barnabas. Some of you know what Camp Barnabas is, but some of you guys are new enough. You don't know what it is. You've come in the last year or so. And so when you heard Session say, uh, yeah, you know, our, our, our high school students are coming back from Camp Barnabas. Camp Barnabas is a camp for differently abled students. And this may be kind of, you know, developmentally delayed issues or they're on the spectrum, but it's also students who have physical disabilities like are deaf or blind. And most of them cannot go to normal camps. It is simply not safe for them or they don't have the equipped, they're not equipped to, to, to handle those types of students. And so when summer comes, they don't get to go. And most high schoolers that go to camp, they want to go to a camp where there's one of those giant air things where you can jump off of it and splash into the lake. They want to go to a camp where they're entertained. Our students go to camp not to be entertained, but to be counselors for the least of these. Praise God. Because this church, hang on, I'm not done yet. <laughs> this church is creating the environment where our teens can be formed to act and believe and understand what Christ looks like in real life. They are becoming living stones. And if you missed last Sunday, I got to tell you, you missed like an amazing sermon. I'm not going to lie. That sermon was phenomenal. <laughs> Cheryl said amen. That's exactly right. You need to watch it. But what was more important than that sermon was the moment that we had afterwards where if you weren't here, what we did was we invited the whole church to come forward. And there were these stones that were lying uh, in baskets and you wrote the name like you saw in the video. David Ray telling of the heroes that came before him. And you have to understand the context. If you don't know who David Ray is, he is a spiritual giant. 
He has been my hero for 25 years. And when I think of what's a non-anxious presence do in leadership, my first instinct is to think of that man. And he wants to tell you about the people that shaped and formed him. And so we wrote those names on stones. And those stones are going to be put up in our, our baptistry. There's this little lip that's around the baptistry. You can't see it from the floor. You can't even see it from the platform. You only see it when you enter into the water. And when you enter in, you're going to see the names of all the people who formed this community in such a way that it allowed, it cultivated the spiritual growth and development of thousands and thousands of people. So if you missed last Sunday, we, want, we don't want you to miss out. I think you should go watch the sermon. It was awesome. But I also think that you should go to the back where the communion supplies are stored, and there is a basket, and it's got some stones on it. Because we want your story to be part of the legacy of the living stones that have built this place. There is something that is happening in this church. I can't tell you exactly what it is. I can't tell you exactly what's causing it. I do know that we have been through fire and storms these last few years. And those of you that have endured, you could say amen. It has not been an easy time. What I do know is that the Spirit is moving in us in such a way that we get to experience the fruit of what it brings when we follow Jesus. And I see it in my six-year-old, and I see it in our high school students, and I see it in those that have dedicated 70 years of life to this church. Praise God. Praise God for what God is doing in our midst. Praise God for the faithfulness that God has shown to us. Praise God for all of the gifts that he has given all of you, that you use your time and your talent and your treasure to do good things in Jesus' name. Praise God. We've been in this series in 1 Peter. We're done today. This is our last sermon series on it. We're moving into the month of July, and the elders of the church um, graciously have given me a little time to step away from the pulpit to kind of think and dream and get connected to God and, and do all of the things that allow a little space to, so that we can come back with fresh vision and, and, and new things to do. Um, and so you're going to get some incredible preaching over the next few weeks. Um, they're all amazing. They're all from Abilene. Abilene is this just like amazing treasure trove of gifts. Um, but most of them are from this church. So we're finishing our, our series today. And First Peter ends talking about elders, leaders, shepherds. Now, you can imagine in these small churches in Asia Minor that Peter is writing to that most of them are probably pretty small. Um, they may have had one or two elders, and there may have been, it was a house church, probably not more than 30 or 45 people gathered together. And when they got too big, they had to just form another house. They had to split off and, and multiply. That's just the only spaces they had available in the first century. You couldn't imagine a church as, as large as Highland that, that Peter's writing to that they're required to have over 30 elders. But any elder in this church would tell you that if it was just up to them to provide for the pastoral needs of this church, they wouldn't be able to do it. All of us who are gifted to lead, to gifted to, to care, are called to do it. Whether it's 
leading a small group in your home or, or teaching a Bible class. And, and the most important part of that class isn't so much what you say about the Bible as it is the prayer requests that happen. And sometimes those prayer requests last 30 minutes because that's where the true formation is happening. It's that kind gesture, the commitment to prayer. Our leaders, we're going to talk about elders, but I want us to realize that there's this whole swath of our church of leadership that's not formally appointed or recognized as such, but they're still doing the work, the work of pastoral care, of leadership. It's a curious thing. Those who take the responsibility for the care of souls. Because the thing that Peter won't let you not see, he, he, he's not, he's not going to fail to mention it, is that there will be a time where a chief shepherd arrives. And it sounds like there's going to be an accounting. It's a curious thing, those who take responsibility for the care of souls. Man, I can't even keep a plant alive. Let's pray. Holy Father, when we hear the stories of the way that saints have been faithful in the past, dedicated their lives to your word and to your kingdom, to serving others, to having the vision to see the least of these, to call us back to gospel truth, to hold us in account, to encourage us forward, to give hope where it seems that there is only dark. We give you thanks. We give you thanks for those in our midst that take the task of leadership seriously and, and who commit themselves to the care of others. And mostly, Father, we give you thanks today for our elders who have continually be faithful to the leading of the Spirit in this church for nearly 100 years. And Father, we commit ourselves and we pray that we would follow their example for another 100 years. And now, as we turn our hearts and our minds to your word, I pray that you pour through me the gift of preaching, that I might speak your truth and love to these, your people. Together, the church says... Amen. All right, so open up your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 5 if you have it. If you've got pages and spines, that's great. If it's on your smartphone, I'm just going to trust that you're looking at the Bible and not Candy Crush. That's good. Um, what, what, what's fascinating about this text is that uh, Peter talks about the idea of oversight. That's what uh, elders need to do, shepherds need to do, need to have oversight. And, and that's a compound word, and it's almost the exact same in Greek as it is in English, over and sight. And this is where the word overseers has its roots. And, and for the shepherd, that's twofold. It's to care for the entirety of the flock, right? You're going to oversee them. You're going to watch over them, which is pastoral care and spiritual growth and, and attending those that are weak and hurting. And it's to look out beyond the flock, to look over them, see over them, to see opportunities and potential on the horizon. And sometimes those opportunities are good, and sometimes that potential is a little scary, and so overseers kind of have these two jobs. Now, I think the term overseer for us sounds a lot more like a middle manager for, for most of our minds. 
It's somebody that's like supposed to keep you in line and make you sure you stay till 5.15 and make sure all of your reports are filed. That's really not what Peter's talking about here. So why does Peter talk about leadership now at the end of his book? For the last five weeks, we've been going through this book slowly together, and one of the things I hope you see was uh, Peter's continually return to this idea of suffering, that something's happening in these churches that's making it difficult to remain Christian. It's making it difficult to, to hang in there. And so he begins chapter 5, and he starts off by saying, therefore, and every time he says that, we need to figure out what the therefore is therefore. In chapter 4 at the end, he wants to talk about a fiery ordeal. He says there's something coming, a fiery ordeal, and he doesn't get into specifics about what exactly it is, but, but he could be a reference to Malachi chapter 3. And Malachi chapter 3, uh, Malachi talks about the refiner's fire. It's this painful thing that's going to happen to you, but it's going to purify you. It makes the gold more pure. It, 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 it makes you better. Could be talking about Ezekiel chapter 9. It's this winnowing of God's people. There will, two angels will travel through Jerusalem. One will mark those who are faithful to God. The other will follow and will kind of smite everyone that doesn't have the mark. But in Ezekiel chapter 9, the winnowing of God's people begins with the elders at the temple. What does it mean to be a shepherd? It's a curious thing, those who take the responsibility for the care of souls. To be a shepherd means you have to be a, a leader. And there's, here's the best summary of leadership qualities that I've heard for a contextually Christian skill set. Some people have the capacity to Interpret situations through attentiveness and close listening, to anticipate outcomes, to clearly articulate what's at stake in situations or decisions, to line out processes, to effectively engage differences, to collaborate and build consensus, to motivate and empower others for action, to communicate clearly and regularly, and to create reliable systems of accountability. If you can kind of do most of those tasks, you can be a leader. And most of those are skills that you kind of develop. I don't know if there's some natural gifting that's involved in that. But the key to this, and I think this is where I want us to, to begin, is to realize that the gifts of leadership that I just listed are value neutral. Anybody could do that. The superhero could do that, and so could the super villain. And so, Peter's not that concerned about the gifts or qualities or the skill sets that you need to be an elder. Now, Paul's going to talk about that in 1 Timothy and Titus, but what Peter really wants to talk about, especially when there's that fiery ordeal on the horizon, is not leadership potential, but motive. He wants to talk about the heart. Motive is everything. In leadership, motive is everything, and it always shows. You can't hide it. You can't pretend. Like, you can do it for a, a little bit, but, but it never lasts. You can, you can pretend to be someone that's noble, of good character for a little while, but when the fire begins, when the storm comes, who you are is going to play out. And so what Peter says to those elders, those leaders, 
is find the right motives. Because we all know the cost of bad leaders. We know about the church leaders that fail to protect the weakest in the folk, flock, and allow predators to remain. And you've seen those stories in media. We all know about the politicians who are in it for the crowds or the prestige, but are absent when difficult decisions must be made. We know about those CEOs who take multi-million dollar bonuses while thousands in the company are being laid off. It's not hard to spot bad character and leadership when times get tough. When I was in California, uh, I was one of the guys in our church had um, been successful in his career. He'd started at Microsoft and worked on Internet Explorer when it was the only game in town, frankly, um, and then moved to Yahoo. And I don't know if you remember, in the early 90s, Yahoo was a big deal. Um, he actually left that in 1994, which was a great time to leave. Um, and then he had enough uh, experience and, and understanding and know-how and a vision to start his own company. And so he became the CEO of a company. And I'll never forget one day, we were in a meeting at church, and he came down and he sat next to me and he said, have you heard about blockchain? And this was in 2013. This was a long time ago. Some of you guys know about blockchain because you saw the Super Bowl ad. Um, but he said, have you heard about blockchain? And I said, no, what's, what's that? And he tried to explain it to me, and I didn't understand, so he explained it to me again. And I was like, just treat me like I'm six. And he's like, man, I've been treating you like you're five for the last few times. I'm like, all right. And I said, so what? So what? Like, what's the difference? He said, well, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a blockchain company that's going to take off. He says, it's called Bitcoin. I said, really? He said, yeah, you ought to buy a Bitcoin. I said, why? He said, oh, whatever. Bitcoin was $500 back then. Like last November, it was $60,000. I kind of wish I had bought a Bitcoin. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know this, but as he's talking to me about Bitcoin, we're just, we're just chatting before a meeting starts. Um... He hadn't had a salary in two years. His company, it was a startup. 85% of startups fail in the first five years. Uh, his startup wasn't doing as well as he'd hoped. And so he'd elected not to take a salary. He could have fired any of his employees. He could have taken the money that he had left and run, but he chose to hang in there. There's a difference in the quality of leadership. And it doesn't come from your skill set. It comes from character. I mean, Paul has been all using all these different metaphors throughout the entire letter, and we've talked about those, that the, 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 the church is God's temple, or it's God's nation, that it's God's priesthood. And if, and if, if, if the church is God's nation, then, then the leaders are, are presidents or kings, or if they're God's priesthood, then they're chief priests, or if they're God's temple, then it's, then it's the elders. And he rejects all of those metaphors when he talks about leadership. When he talks about leadership, he wants to talk about shepherds. Now remember, Paul is, Peter is writing this letter from Babylon, which is kind of a, a code for Rome, and he's probably the first bishop of Rome. But Peter remembers the hills of Galilee. And he remembers untangling those nets, hearing the sheep on the hills, and watching shepherds. He knows those stories. There will be fire and storms will come. Peter believes the key is to focus on character. 
He's going to say, it's not because you must do it. He doesn't want you to lead under compulsion, but because you're willing. And Jesus in John 10, he tells a story about the, the hired hand that runs off from the sheepfold when the wolf comes. The wolf comes and kills and scatters the sheep. It's not because you have to do it. It's not because you're coerced to do it. It's because you're willing. It's because you love the church that you found yourself in. There's this interesting thing that happened in, in a children's uh, church history class that has stuck with me for a long time. It's kind of this story that would happen in kind of the, the first millennia of churches, that when churches wanted a, a bishop to lead their city, to be kind of the head of their city, they would often go and kidnap someone to be their bishop, which I think is a weird way to make a job offer, but it's just how they did it back then, right? They just, they would kidnap somebody, and sometimes, I know you're shocked to hear this, sometimes kidnapping a bishop isn't the best way to get the best leadership qualities out of them. If you want to be a leader in a church, if you want to be a shepherd, there's a million reasons why you might want to do that. And there's going to be even more why you don't. But don't let somebody coerce you into it. Do it because you want to. Do it because that's what God's called you to do. It's because you had that moment to do pastoral care, to look at the horizons and see what's coming, to be just like a little boy in this church that discovered he really loves to greet people. Do it because you're willing. And not greedy for money, Peter's going to continue, but, but with eagerness. Now that implies on some level uh, elders, shepherds in the first century were being paid. And, and sometimes I have, I've questioned uh, the wisdom of paying people to go to church. My experience is, is that people that are paid to go to church, when they stop getting paid to go to church, it's really hard for them to re-engage. I don't know why. It's just the reality of what it is. It's not the best system, but it's the best one we've got. And he says, don't get into this because you want to be paid for it, but, but do it for eagerness. Find joy in the work. You might get compensated for the work that you do. You might find benefit from it, but don't let that be the reason. Don't hang in there for hard times because you know there's a payoff that's coming at the end. Find joy in the work. I got to have a conversation with a young man in this congregation this week. It was about baptism. A couple of weeks ago, I said, hey, you know, we don't do, you know, kind of come forward at the end of the service very often. And, uh, but we did it that week, and, and he came forward. And so we started this conversation, and, and, and we gathered in my office, and him and his folks, and we sat down, and we we're going to talk about what baptism is and, and what it means and, and why you should think about it. And, and, he, and he, he jumped off, and he said, you know, last night I was reading Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, and I have these questions. The kid was ready. And, and, and so we, we talked about his questions and we talked about what it means when God enters your heart and we talked about what it means when you die to sin and we talked about the promise of resurrection and we, it was amazing. And I left work that day and I came home and I had joy in my heart. That's why you do the work. It's because when you sit down with someone over a cup of coffee, and you can tell by the end of the conversation that the Spirit has done something there. You've, you've brought comfort and peace. You've brought hope. 
It's because you can see things that no one else can see. You've been gifted in a particular way. And when you offer your voice, you're heard and what you say matters. Find joy in the work. That's why you become a shepherd. The last thing that Peter's going to say is exercise your oversight. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. You've heard this a million different ways, and it's been picked up in a lot of um, business literature. There's a huge difference between a leader and a manager, right? A manager is the kind of overseer that just makes sure that you achieve objectives. Make sure that you're doing the work that you're called to do. A leader, on the other hand, is inside the system with you, showing you the best way, helping you find the best in things. And, and frankly, when it, gets, when it gets hot and when the storms come, that's when character becomes apparent. And if you're looking to be a leader at this church because you have an ill-gained relationship with power, what I want to tell you is that experience tells us that everyone's going to know. If you want to be a leader because you like the title, because you imagine that your grandfather or grandmother might be proud of you because you have that title, and it's not because you love people, everyone's going to know. There is a tradition here at this church of picking leaders that have the heart of Jesus. The picking leaders that rely on mercy before judgment. That consider every perspective before moving forward. I have been in the room while these uh, elders have prayed over us. I have seen their care and concern for you. There is a history of this church of being blessed. The Spirit has moved in our midst. And the promise of God is that it's going to move still. I'm excited to tell you one thing. Jeff, I went off script. Uh, it's time to come up. Um, I'm excited to tell you one thing. Uh, we have, over the last, you know, 40, 70 years, take time to elect our own leaders. And it's happened in different ways. Sometimes eldership is chosen. Sometimes the congregation is chosen. But if you don't know, if you're new to this place, um, Highland has decided for the first time in its nearly 100-year history that the way we interpret Scripture tells us that anyone who is spiritually gifted, male or female, can serve in the role of elder. And so beginning this summer, and you're going to hear more details about this, it's going to ramp up this fall, we're going to begin our first nomination process that includes women as potentials for elder. I also need to tell you, I also need to tell you that for the last two decades, uh, women's names have been listed on that nomination sheet anyway. This is not something that Highland has jumped into. This is the outgrowth of where the Spirit has been leading us for a long time. And you might feel some anxiety about this because it's different. Anytime leadership makes a difficult choice to lead us to the place that God is calling us to be, there's that scary moment. It was scary when the Hebrews left Egyptian slavery for the promise of freedom. 
It's scary when a prophet calls people back to God and out of the lethargy that they're living in. It's scary when Jesus calls you to do something you couldn't imagine you've ever done before. But I want to tell you that the spirit that has guided this church for nearly 100 years will not abandon us now. The spirit that has guided us has been working in the lives of men and women to prepare them for the moment of service, has given them the hearts that are open and ready to serve, that have given them the skills that they need to lead us. And that spirit will not abandon us. It will remain faithful to the Highland Church. Brothers and sisters, I'm not afraid. I'm not worried or anxious about this. In fact, I'm excited for the blessings that God is going to give us through this moment. And I hope you are too. So you're going to hear more about this in the coming months as we get closer. The process is going to be about the same as it's always ever been. Um, and you're going to hear more about that. We're going to have a team that's going to be formed to, to launch this and to help us shepherd it through. Um, but I feel confident. I feel confident that even if we experience times of storm and fiery ordeals, that this church will remain to be the living stones, the example of what God has done in this world. Prayer team, please come forward and be available for those that um, desire prayer today. Um, the rest of us, would you stand and sing uh, together? It's a curious thing, those that would have the audacity to shepherd, to care for the souls of others. But thanks be to God that there are those in this church and around the world that have had the courage to step forward to be our leaders. And so this is a call. This is a call for some of you to take the courage to step out to be leaders in God's kingdom, not by gaining power or prestige or name, but by wrapping a towel around your waist, finding a basin, and learning to love and serve others. It's the only way that it works in God's kingdom. It's the only way that it'll work at the Highland Church of Christ. So I want to remind you, if you want to write on one of those stones, those are in the back. If you're not a member here at our church, we don't talk a lot about that, but that's going to be one of the ways that you can vote and, and submit nominations um, for our process. And uh, we want you to become a part of that. So if you're new here and this is something that you want to engage in, you want to be a part of what God is doing here, then let us know. Find that connect card and fill it out and say, I'm interested in being a part of this church because we want you to serve alongside us as we chase what God is doing in this world. There's nothing more important than that, nothing that we will do in the rest of our lives, but be creating this space where the Spirit of God can cultivate and nurture and develop disciples and ministers and missionaries and servant leaders to the ends of the world. So this week, may you be blessed. May you be filled with God's spirit and may some of you be convicted that it's your time to say, here I am, send me. Go in peace.